Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Will Johns. And I'm Rick Johns. And we're here to share with you our best thoughts. But before we do, Rick, we have to I have to check in with you and see how you're feeling. I know last week, uh, or last time that we recorded, you weren't feeling so hot. <laughs> well, that's a good joke for those who listened to last uh, episode. But yes, I'm doing well. However, I, I may have gotten a new doctor. That's good. Yeah, I think you deserve a doctor that doesn't make fun of you, Rick, for, for your ailments. I, I think we all do, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we're going to dive right in today to The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. We've been going through this book, and today we're on guidepost number seven, Cultivating Play and Rest, Letting Go of Exhaustion as a Status Symbol and Productivity as Self-Worth. And I have to say right off the bat, Rick, this chapter is loaded Mm -hmm. with some very profound implications for our lives. Yeah. And I want our listeners to know I was up all night preparing for this podcast, (laughs) making sure that it is the best (laughs) thoughts that I could share with you. And I am proud of that. I will, you know, I'm on five cups of coffee so that I can even talk. (laughs) All right, so so you you definitely need the content of this chapter. <laughs> there is always a way that uh, we try to find a way to make exhaustion a badge of honor uh, in our in our culture today. But uh, don't you feel like it's the number one thing when you ask people how they're doing? Oh, I'm busy. Busy. Oh, yes. So tired. Yes. Oh, stressed. Oh, you wouldn't believe the week I've had. Or man, I'm just trying to survive. I mean, I I almost can't think of a time somebody has responded with anything other than something related to being busy. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is a badge of honor. I think we feel ashamed. You know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm sniffing the roses and living the good life. Like that would be. Uh, almost shameful to say in our society. Right. You'd certainly uh, get uh, a a strange look if you answered somebody in that way. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not super busy, if you're not getting stuff done, if you're not overwhelmed, then clearly you're not a good enough parent or employee or just person in general. It's, It's insane when you step back and look at it. Yes, but it's also, you know, something I think all of us have fallen prey to, Rick. Yeah. And, uh, and I know I have. I know it's been a, a, a big part of, of my own journey. And, and for most of my life, I would say that I did wear exhaustion as a badge of honor. And I did see productivity as my self-worth. And, and that reminds me of a story, Rick, that happened just a few years ago, about five years ago, uh, here in Maryland, we had a huge snowstorm. And I remember our the, the, the church I was pastoring at at the time, we pre-recorded a service uh, so that um, we could have something to watch online because we knew we wouldn't be able to meet in person. And sure enough, this storm hit, uh, I think it hit on a Friday, 
and it was it was like almost three feet, just a massive amount of snow. Wow! Shut everything down, and uh, and I just remember that feeling of just relief, like the snowstorm gave me permission somehow. Yeah, yeah. To just rest. Yep. To just enjoy the weekend. And it, it simplified my busy, hectic life. Uh, and it was just a, a, a wonderful feeling. And what I found is when I had the space, when I was no longer just uh, running around like a, a chicken with my head cut off, uh, when I had the space, then guess what? I went out and played in the snow with my family. We sat by the fire and, and just relaxed. We, we put puzzles together, we played games, we ate together. We had an incredible, relaxing, wonderful time as a result of the snowstorm. Yeah. But the, but the reality is, and this is something we're going to get into more as we dive into this topic, the reality is we don't need a snowstorm to be able to give ourselves permission to rest and play. Right. And let me ask you a question because your story, I think, is very relatable to all of us. I think we, we understand the snow day and, and many of us probably have had that same experience. But just stepping back and looking at how crazy it is, what happened to all those things that had to get done? If it hadn't snowed, Will, you would have had all these things that you just absolutely had to get done. What what happened to those things with the snow? Did the snow magically erase them? Right. I mean, when with with that situation, it's it's like somehow everything was fine. Hmm. You know, the things that that were so urgent just had to happen, or else you know, disaster would happen in my life. It didn't, you know, because all of those things didn't happen that weekend. And everything was fine. And right. so, you know, we'll get into that. But certainly, you're right, Rick. Like, our minds play the trick on us. You know, the trick of urgency that if this doesn't happen today, something terrible will happen. Yeah. And, and that is not true in most cases. And I think with the snow, it's a little bit like our episode last time talking about comparison when we're all snowed in, it's like we can all give each other blanket permission. Okay, mm. we're all snowed in, so we all can't do things, and now we have an excuse. And and so we don't have to compare ourselves to others because others are also snowed in, and they can't do things. And it's funny to me how it's only because of that external factor that we can give ourselves permission. And what what Brene is talking about in her chapter, which is a real challenge, but absolutely where I think we all need to start going, is how do we give ourselves internal, internal permission yes, yes, to say, hey, yes. today I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to run the hamster wheel at a million miles an hour today. I'm going to take some time to enjoy my family. Maybe I'm going to have a cup of hot chocolate tonight. And there's no snow on the ground. Yes. Wouldn't yes. that be crazy? Yeah, exactly. And and Rick, sometimes the the things that we produce aren't even all that valuable. We're just producing for its own sake almost. Absolutely. 
And um, and I have a story on that. Okay, yeah, go for it. And this is this is a painful story to tell. <laughs> so I'm going to laugh to mask the pain because I do that. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to laugh at you at yes, your pain because so. you do that. That's how it works. Um, I remember Will my last year at my last church, and I had been there for a number of years, and I was trying throughout those years to renovate the front of the sanctuary and to change the stage specifically. In this case, this church had a stage that was, it was too high. It was, I don't know how many feet, like almost three feet high. And there was just two little stairs way around the sides that you had to enter. And I wanted to just lower it and put a stair up the front and make it more accessible. And anyway, we, we barely used the stage because it was just the way it was built. But we could never decide over the years I was as as their pastor, we could never decide exactly how we wanted to renovate it and what we wanted it to look like and how much. And and it just warned me. Well, then, of all crazy things, at the end, when I get a call to go to a new district in a new church, I decide, you know what? I never got this stage project done. I am going to finish it before I leave this church. So the next board meeting, I came and I just kind of rammed through all the plans came up with a drawing, here's what we're going to do. And people were kind of surprised, and yet they said, okay, well, we've been talking about it for years, so maybe we need to get it done. And I just pushed that thing through. I think it was like $20,000, you know, to renovate the stage. We did it all. I got it done right as I left. And I was so happy and so proud. And here's the sad part that makes me want to cry. Well, first of all, it took all my extra spare time when I should have been packing and getting ready for a big transition mm. for me personally, mm. my ego said, I never got this done. I got to get this done. And I thought in my mind, this will be a gift to the next pastor because of this beautiful new stage and he can just come in and, you know, all the controversy that comes when you renovate a church, which there's always some controversy, all of that I will take care of. So I did it. And then I find out six months after I left that church, that the church did another further renovation and decided to switch. The new pastor wanted to switch the whole direction that the church faced, so it faced sideways instead of towards the stage I built. And they built another stage, and now the stage that I renovated is off to the right and as far as I know, is not even used at all. <laughs> and so all my self-worth that I had tied up in that project because it was on my list and I was going to get it done and it should be done, da-da-da, all of that was wasted. Ouch. With $20,000. And if I had just let the new pastor come in and cast his vision, he had a whole different vision uh, for the way the church should look and go, and my stage was not part of that at all. And, and this brings up such a profound point for me, Rick, is that so often in our busyness as self-worth, productivity as self-worth, we end up chasing busyness for its own sake. Yeah. And we can do things that aren't ultimately wise or truly productive. And, and so sometimes in our busyness, we do stuff that actually 
gets in our own way, you yes. know, actually makes our life worse and, and is not adding value to others either. And, and not that, that you were doing anything wrong by, by doing this stage, right. but if you had listened to your own limits and boundaries as to what you actually had time for, um, then I think you would have said, you know, this is, this is no longer my project. I need to, I need, I, I wish I had gotten it done, but I didn't. And that's okay. I need to let it go. Yeah. And had you let it go, go, you would have lived in balance for yourself <laughs> and set up things actually better for the next past. <laughs> and I think that's part of the spiritual journey. There's a certain ebb and flow when you walk in the spirit. The Bible talks a lot about walking in the spirit. I know in the secular world, there's books written about going with the flow. And I think when you're connected to God, you start to realize, I don't have to do everything that I think I have to do. And that story is a prime teaching lesson for me that that story was all about me. When I look back on it, the church wasn't that excited about it. It was all about me. And the, the crazy idea that I had to ram this through at the end when yes. now, in hindsight, yeah. it's so obvious I should have let the next pastor come and see if that was part of his vision, because he might have a totally vision, different vision, which he did, and which they implemented, and which they liked better. And so they still spent extra money to do a different stage in a different direction, all of that. So I think there's a lot of things like that in life that we just attach product, you know, we attach value to, oh, I need to get this done, and then I have value then I've accomplished something. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not something you're supposed to do. Yeah, and, and Rick, you know, I, I think maybe a lot of pastors end up learning this lesson the hard way because I know I did as well. Um, in my previous church, there were agendas that I had that I was, you know, killing myself to try to accomplish. But because I was ramming it through on the congregation, kind of forcing it, on the congregation who didn't want to do it, they just said, all right, fine, you do it, pastor. Right. They, they backed up, and I'm carrying the load all by myself. And I'm exhausted, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. They're frustrated with me, rightly so. And, and what did I gain from all of that? Yeah. And it, it really come, brings me back to this powerful, powerful question um, or, or statement that we started with in episode one, uh, when I, I told the story of, of Pastor Rob Bell, where he had a friend say to him, you don't have to live this way. Yeah. You don't have to live this way. And, and he just kept repeating it until it started to sink in for Rob. And every so often I, I have to tell myself that. Yeah. I have to remind myself when I get busy, my schedule gets crazy, I feel like the world is on my shoulders. And, and the reminder is, you don't have to live this way. You know, one thing that helps me with that, Rick, on a very practical level is, is just simply taking vacation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I wonder how many uh, people actually follow through and, and actually take vacation. Because again, with productivity as self-worth and exhaustion as a status symbol, there are people that brag about the fact that they've never yes. taken their vacation. You're not a good worker if you're taking all your vacation time. You're not as 
valuable. You're not a, you're lazy. I mean, there's a lot of stigmas we kind of attach. I heard about one very unhealthy organization, uh, Rick Corporation, that they were proud and boasted about the fact that 90% of their employees got divorced uh, <laughs> after working there because the job was their life. I mean, what, you know, think about that. Uh, yeah. And, oh and uh, you know, I hope no one there thinks, oh man, I want to work for that company. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. You know, one of the life-changing uh, moments for me, I was listening to a sermon by the late, great uh, Dallas Willard, and Dallas just had these one-liners that would just blow you out of the water, and I was listening to a sermon he was preaching, and he said in his sermon, if God, if you, I'm sorry, it goes, if you have more to do in one day than you can get done, it's not from God. Hmm. And I just thought about, and he, of course, he went on to elaborate, but it's it's an obvious statement if you think about it. Yes. If you are a spiritual person and you're trying to live in connection with God and with the Spirit, obviously God doesn't say, hey, I need you to do all these things today. Uh, it's more than you'll ever get done, but good luck. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. He knows how much time you have. He knows what you can get done. And so... For those of us that are Christian and that value that relationship with God, that's one of the questions we need to start our day with. God, what do you see is best for me to do today? I need yes. your help. I need your guidance. I need some wisdom in choosing because I think every day in America, at least, and probably in most of the world, every day you're going to have more to do than you can get done. And yes. so... There's something we need to do about this. We can't just keep running and burning the the candle at both ends. And well, and and that brings up another, you know, important point for me, Rick, is that a relationship with God is a powerful antidote to this this disease. I would call it that's embedded in our culture, the disease of overwork, the disease of productivity as self worth. Because when we get self-worth from God, and when we have God in our lives to give us a, another authoritative voice to say, no, hmm. you can work what you need to and then rest. You can do what I've given you to do and then rest. There's a powerful, powerful freedom that comes from that. Yeah, I remember that same sermon that you're talking about, Rick. He also, Dallas Willard shared a quote. I think it was William Martin. Yeah, I did pull that up here, uh, Will, and it's one that I saved. William Martin, I guess, wrote a book for pastors specifically, but I think it applies to all people. And he's talking about this concept of rest. And he says, if you fill your calendar with important appointments, you'll have no time for God no time for your own soul. If you fill your time with essential reading and essential projects, you will starve your soul. If you fill your mind with worry about budgets and retirement and finances, the pains in your chest and the ache in your shoulders will betray you. If you try to conform to the expectations of those around you, you will forever be their slave. 
Work a modest day, then step back and rest. This, above all, will keep you closest to God. Mm. (laughs) How's that for power? And then he goes on. Wait, I want to read one more thing. He says, one of the things I look at when I begin spiritual direction with a person is their daily planner. It reveals volumes about the person's spiritual condition, their values, their fears, and their ambitions. It tells me who their bosses are, who their lover is, and how much value they place on their own souls. Hmm. If you're working more than 50 hours a week, you're not doing it for God, no matter how eloquent your rationalizations. Hmm. (laughs) Wow. But what this quote did for me, Will, was give me that permission, like you said. We need permission because it just feels wrong in our society to stop and play, to take time off, to work half a day and use the other half to to play or invest in our family or friends or just get out in the sunshine or something like that. You know, this is such a a powerful statement of what really matters. His quote there just reminds me of just how far off the culture really is. And what I've found, Rick, is usually when I approach a vacation, there's this part of me that feels like, oh man, I'm being lazy, taking this vacation. Oh boy, I really can't afford to take this time off. Man, I've got so much to do to get ready for it. I'm going to have so much to do when I get back. Maybe this was a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have scheduled it in the first place. And and I'm fighting these voices within myself. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, this crazy, you know, grandiose belief that somehow the world will not go on without me when I'm on vacation, you know, <laughs> like, like it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. And, and the power of it is when you, when you take the time and then you, you are away and you come back and you realize nothing happened, you know, yeah. like nothing fell apart. Everything was fine. Everybody got on with their their life. I just realized that's a voice in my head. Like it's not reality. It's just yeah. anxiety. And and it's an anxiety of, you know, what if I no longer get my value from productivity? Yeah. And I think many times when you leave will things go better for your church. <laughs> so, you know, it's just our ego. It's just our ego that says, oh, you know, how are they going to live? Or people are going to be mad or this and that. And even if our people are mad, I remember one time uh, our, our employer offers a sabbatical every seven years mm. for a couple months. And I remember when that seven-year time period had come and I was going to take my sabbatical, one of my members did say to me, well, it must be nice, you know, to have a couple months off. And at first I was, you know, feeling shame and guilt and, well, how do I defend myself? And then the perfect answer just popped in my head and I said, well, if you were in my shoes, wouldn't you take it? And of course she said, yeah, of course I would. Well, do you blame me? <laughs> and so she kind of laughed and, and we moved on. Yes. But that kind of thinking is what traps us because we're worried what others will think, what others will say, you know, being viewed as lazy or whatever. 
You know, you know, discipline, Rick, that you and I have both done uh, a number of times, and uh, it always almost terrifies me to, to do this, and that's to, to take a spiritual retreat. And it's just such an incredible feeling. And I know some of you are, are out there thinking, man, I, I could never do a retreat of 24 hours or whatever. I would challenge you just try it for like an hour or two. Like, like go to a park and put your phone in airplane mode and, and, and go walking for an hour and, and see what happens. You may feel like the world's going to fall apart in that one hour. Right. You're going to get fired from your job. Your spouse is going to divorce you. Your kids are going to have a crisis and hate you because you weren't available to them. Just be ready for that. You know, you yeah. might think I'm exaggerating, but these crazy thoughts will go through your head. Yeah. Yeah. But if you do it, you will also be like, this is the greatest gift I've ever given myself. Mm. This is the most incredible. Because here's what happens in that quiet time. You realize that your value doesn't come from productivity. That you have value just by being. Yeah, And, and that's essentially what the Bible tells us, Rick. That's Absolutely. What, that's the whole message of the gospel is that yeah. we are valued by God simply for being. You have intrinsic value, and it's not this value that comes from your achievements, accomplishments, external uh, collection of things or whatever. Um, in the chapter that we read, I thought it was interesting that Brene, she said when she was first studying these wholehearted people, she couldn't figure out what was going on with them in this specific area. And she finally said to one of her colleagues, man, I'm studying these people and these happy, healthy, wholehearted people, they just, they love to fool around. And her colleague's like, fool around? What do you mean? She's like, I don't even know. It's like they, they're always doing fun things, but in between work and here and there. And she said, I had to really get into it. And she said, I realized I couldn't see it because it wasn't even in my radar mm. that you should be playful mm. as an adult. Mm. So she said, I was looking at it, but couldn't see it because I didn't even understand it. <laughs> yes. Because it was yes. so foreign to her. And she said, once she saw it, she realized these healthy, wholehearted people learn to play and incorporate play as adults into their lifestyle. Yes. And then she discovered other research just showing how incredibly beneficial and how much a better worker you are when you play. Yeah. How yeah. it in, you know, increases your mental activity, increases your stability, it increases your productivity. And of course, going right along with that play is the concept of rest, not overworking yourself, not burning yourself out. I mean, you're you're point you're worthless basically once you get to that exhausted point. Yes. And we've all been there. And you can yes. still show up and work 12 hours in a day or sit at a desk for 12 hours, but you probably only get done what you could get done in a couple hours if you were fresh and energized. That that let me just stop stop you right there Rick and say, you know, when I started implementing the discipline of, of rest and play into, you know, my weekly schedule. And, and by the way, uh, C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, 
only lazy people are busy. And, and, and I love that quote, and then it burns me, too. <laughs> mm. oh, wait a minute. Only lazy people are busy? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you know, it, it really comes down to, you know, at first, that's infuriating, you know, to hear someone say that, like, you know, I'm busy and I'm not, I'm not lazy. But the laziness is the laziness of setting structure and boundaries up in our life so that we're not constantly running on fumes. Yeah, and and here's what I found, Rick. I started um, when I first started in ministry. I was working twenty four seven, seven days a week, yep, um, all the time, always on call, always something. And I started the discipline of taking Monday as a day off, a day where I would not do anything work related. And what I found was I had so much more energy on Tuesday. Yeah that I would get done, I would get about 16 hours worth of work at my exhausted pace done in about four hours. Yep. And, and so this is, some, this is the cost of exhaustion we don't often talk about. Yeah. And if you're out there saying, you know, man, you guys, this sounds all idealistic, but I'm going to get fired from my job if I do what you're talking about. I don't think so. No. Because I think you're going to do better at work when you take the time to be rested, to engage and play, to relax. Um, There's so many benefits to this. Yeah, there's whole books written, and we've run out of time today, but there's whole books written on the power of rest and the power of sleep and even the power of naps. I heard a whole thing on how beneficial those are, which, of course, you seem really lazy if you've got time to nap in the day. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, we'll let you read up some of those things on your own, but I do want to share one thing that Brene shared that I thought was good. She said one of the things her family did after she did this research and realized how important it was is she sat down and made a list with her husband, things that bring joy and health and happiness in our family, in our daily lives. Or you Mm. could just do it for yourself personally. Just make a bullet point list. What do you want? What are the, the components in your daily lifestyle that you would like? Time for yes. friends, time for a favorite TV show, time for creativity, time for play, time for getting you know, my job done, you know, just different things that you can put on that list. And then she said, now, and this is where C.S. Lewis is right, you have to have the discipline and put in the structure to guard those things. Yes. Because if yes. you just start your day and let people dictate or the busyness of the day or all the projects, you will never make time for rest and play because there's always something more urgent, always something more important. So it does take discipline and it's actually harder. Lazy people just go through the day and let everybody else and all of life tell them what they're going to do. But if you look, the effective, wholehearted, happy people they have a discipline to say, no, these are priorities to me. I guard them. I'm going to do them. And other things will have to wait. And, and Rick, I want to give a practical uh, way that, that um, we can put that into practice. And, and it's very simple. And that is to schedule the play and rest. Yeah. Put that on your calendar and put it on first. So mm. that's the first thing that you schedule. You schedule these blocks of time for play and for rest. 
um, and and then and then build everything else around that, and and you'll you'll get two benefits from that. One, you're going to be doing your work from a much more from a place of much greater energy. Yeah. So you're going to do better work. You're going to be more efficient at what you get done at work, and then you're going to have something to look forward to. And so if you build your week out and you have these blocks of play and rest built in, you've got something wonderful to look forward to. And I have to add one more thing to this because I, I found it to be extremely helpful. In, and that is if you think of your day as three blocks of time. Hmm. So like 8 to 12, 1 to 5, 6 to 10. And, and then make a decision that you will only work two of the three blocks. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people are working from home right now, you know, and it's easy to work all three blocks. Yep. And you go eight to 10 and, um, and there's your day. Take one of those blocks for play and rest. Yeah. You know, work, work some of that time in there. Limit yourself to two blocks. Maybe on a given day, you have to work three because of the nature of your schedule. Well, then the next day, do one to yeah. recover. Yeah. Um, but if you're working three blocks every single day, you are headed for burnout. And I just want to sound that warning in your life and, and, and say to you, like Rob Bell's friend said to him, you don't have to live this way. <laughs> you yes. don't have to live this way. And I think that's a powerful, practical way to end this podcast today, Will. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I hope each person that's listening will take some time to reflect on their schedule, reflect on their priorities, reflect on how they could put that play and rest and build that into those blocks in their life. So thank yes. you for sharing that, Will. And Will, tell us what are we uh, looking at in our next episode? All right. So next week, we're continuing in the gifts of imperfection and looking at guidepost number eight, cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. Wow, that should be awesome. So that, that's going to actually fit perfectly. It will really be a continuation of what we started talking about today, Rick. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that discussion because that is also very, very, very powerful. Absolutely. So thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. And we look forward to being with you again next episode. <laughs>